0: holy crap, I'm excited, yeah. this is actually happening. I have my little heartbeat thing. And I remember she mm-hmm. said to me that when she saw the screen, she asked the, uh, the nurse or the tech, why does it look like a fish? So as she's telling me this story, I'm like, oh, you have a little Nemo. So I started calling that little blob Nemo. Mm-hmm. And that was my mistake.
1: Okay, Kelly, welcome to the Therapy for Dads podcast. In fact, uh, this is a second welcoming. You were on the show. Um, in fact, I don't know the episode. I don't have it in front of me, but early on in my early recordings, and um, Kelly and I actually um, have become really good friends over the past year. Met each other through social media, finding each other's podcasts, being on each other's podcasts, and we've just developed a friendship. Um, He's out in Philly, Philadelphia, uh, the city of brotherly love. And I'm out here in California. For those of you, if this is your first time tuning in, and we get to have the pleasure of having Kelly Jean-Philippe on again. And I'm very excited. Um, And just because I love talking to the guy. And he is very wise, he's got a big heart, and he's got a lot of good things to say. And today, uh, for a quick disclaimer for those tuning in, it's going to be more of a raw episode um, talking about loss and something Kelly's currently in the midst of. And so we decided to just have a conversation and hit record about this because um, I think it could be helpful and speak to others that have gone through this or are going through this. Um, I think it could bring a sense of community in this place and that you're not alone versus dealing with this in isolation. And so that's why we decided to have this conversation this morning. So um, welcome, Kelly. Good morning. Hey, good morning.
0: Good morning, bro. Appreciate the intro.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to, I don't know, intro people like yourself, but better. Get more, <laughs> a bit more professional, <laughs> I guess. Um, but it's a work in progress.
0: Yeah, I still haven't so, figured it out that art. So I just let people introduce themselves.
1: Yep. That's usually what I do, but I'm trying, you know, I guess you just learn through mistakes. Just, let's just go yeah. and I'll <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> I may edit it out later and just <laughs> add it at the end. We're just going to jump right in. Um, so Kelly and I, uh, you know, we had a conversation actually just texting and then quick phone call yesterday yeah. as I was, uh, with, my kids at the park and on the way actually on the way to In-N-Out to get some food. Uh, those that aren't from California, In-N-Out's a pretty good fast food burger place that's actually healthy, all fresh ingredients. Um, anyway, I was on the way there. We were talking about what we want to talk about this morning and we we're tossing out ideas. And I actually felt this sense something was going on with Cal and I I didn't know what it was at the time. but I knew something was off. Um, and then we hung up and then I got a text from Kelly a few minutes later telling me about a significant loss that him and his wife are in the middle of. And so Kelly, I just you know, um, yeah, what's going on? How what what's been happening?
0: Um, yeah. First I think it's uh crazy how even via text message and you know, definitely our phone call, you were able to pick up on just how off I felt, and I felt really bad after we hung up, that I was like, man, that's not how I normally talk to Travis. Hmm. And I was trying not to uh, talk about it, revisit it, but I've been finding it helpful to just talk about it as frequently as possible. Um, But I think the first time that I was on here, when you and I first talked on your podcast, I had mentioned something about my wife and I experiencing a couple of uh, losses of pregnancies. And I think at the time it was, we were at number two. If I, yeah, I my think, memory serves me correctly.
1: Yeah, actually we did talk about that. Um, and as I recall, um, it was a pretty, pretty difficult um, loss, miscarriage for her. And I remember we were talking through that. And, um, yeah, it he, he was pretty brutal for her and you guys. And so I, I think that's what we... In fact, I don't think he, we even recorded that, the full detail. I think we, we had a private conversation yeah. about that. And then we we kind of briefly touched on it in the recording. But, yeah, yeah it was number two. Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. So if that was number two, then we've had two more since Hmm. but Hmm. this last one um man i gotta tell you i am having a tough time i am having a really tough time with this one reason being we have been wanting to not just expand our family but also um give our son a sibling so the conversations that we've had about trying for another child um, were always centered around we just want to have one more pregnancy. We don't want to extend it, you know, like keep it as a thing to keep trying because we're no spring chickens. So um, the way that we spoke about this last attempt. And that's just it, that it would be a last attempt to try to get pregnant and expand our family. Uh, Both she and I have really just wanted to uh, have a healthy baby, but we both had the preference of, we just want a a baby girl. And I think from our first conversation, I said to you, she and I had made a bet when she was first pregnant with, uh, with our son that I wanted a girl first, she wanted a boy, and how I lost $100 to her in that bet. So this time it was like, yeah, man, all we care about is a healthy pregnancy, uh, one that goes the full term of the pregnancy, as close as possible to it. We just want another child. Hmm. Um, And, you know, we tried. And again if you and I were talking when we first spoke that was our number 2, then number 3 was very traumatic. Oh, number 3. Okay. Yeah, number 3 yeah. was very traumatic. Okay. Um more than number 2. Yeah, cuz number 2 and it's crazy that I that I'm even talking about it in this way, but you know, hmm. it is what it is. Um just a quick overview of my take on these four losses. Hmm. The first one, I sort of went into it with the mindset of if it doesn't happen and the words that stick out to my head or that stick out in my mind is someone, and I can't remember who said it in that way, which is frustrating now, but someone put it in my head as don't be surprised if the first one doesn't stick. And I think we had spoken about that before.
1: Oh, right. I think actually... As I recall, wasn't it? Wasn't it the doctor? Wasn't it the OB?
0: It might have been. To be honest with and you, and I remember,
1: I remember your experience was that was quite cold. Yeah, like, yes. it was like yeah, like that's cold. Like okay. that, almost the way she she or, she she talked she about it was he, like yeah, like that was. I remember you were kind of like offput. Well, that's yeah, Okay, yeah, so, so if it, that's how you remember it.
0: Then then maybe that's who it was. But yeah. it was like, don't be surprised. The first one doesn't usually stick.
1: Yeah, and so and that was a, that phraseology for you was which even for me, as you said it, I, I remember like, oh, that's a weird way to, kind of a distant way to, to put it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So when the first one didn't stick, hmm. I wasn't surprised by it. Right, I wasn't. I wasn't um, devastated by it. I was sad because I was watching my wife be sad, but hmm. I wasn't sad because. I was experiencing this loss. It was like, okay, it didn't stick. Um, so in that moment, I didn't know how to support my wife. And Mm -hmm. quite honestly, I didn't think I needed to support her in the way that she needed to be supported. Because again, in my head, my mentality was, it's not a big deal. So Mm -hmm. she said, based upon
1: how the doctor put it. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah. No, she said she, um, she obviously had to get, you know, some procedure done to, to get the embryo out and her body's feeling it. I get it, but I don't really get it. And so I was more the same distance uh, or aloofness and, and the same detachment in the doctor's phraseology was sort of my body language, my approach with my wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then the second one happened and the second one, I was sure that this one was going to stick hmm. because it's the second one. And I don't think I've ever shared this with you before, dude, but I had this vivid dream and I am, ai am someone who dreams. I often remember my dreams, uh, other times I don't remember dreams. There are some dreams that stick with me to this day. I don't go as far as like trying to interpret dreams or anything like that because I, I have no way of, you know, like I have no paradigm, no system for trying to. So I don't even do that. I just think that dreams are interesting. And at least for me, I've had a lot of really interesting dreams. But this one, man. And the pantheon of dreams that I have that I could never forget, this one is top two. Mm. And that night I dreamt that I was in a delivery room and a woman was given birth. And she gave birth. And in the dream, that woman was my wife, even though it was a mm. white woman. It was a white baby. And obviously I'm a black guy. My wife is a, is a black woman. Mm-hmm. But in the dream... This woman, who in the dream was my wife, gave birth to this baby. Beautiful baby girl. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've never seen a child more beautiful in my dream world than this child. Beautiful, bright sky blue slash ocean blue eyes. I mean, just like Mm -hmm. piercing. And I remember when this baby, when I saw this baby born in the dream, I held her. And dude, Mm. the emotions that I felt in that dream, I just got up in real life and I wanted to wail and cry. Mm. You know, Just I was just so overcome and so overwhelmed by these emotions. And I was like, yo, I'm going to have my baby girl. Like, Mm. this is it. I'm going to have my baby girl. And we go to the ultrasound and- It's not a viable pregnancy. Hmm. And that was such a hard pill to swallow because that dream had instigated something in me that led me to believe that this was a sign, if you will, of me finally getting my baby girl. I was going to win that hundred dollars from my wife.
1: Hmm.
0: And it didn't happen. It did not happen. And I was so devastated by the news that this pregnancy was not viable. And so my sense of devastation layered with my wife's sense of devastation again. Now adding to that the first time in terms of a retrospection of what she went through. Now all three of those things are piling up on me. Mm-hmm. And I just felt so defeated. And mm-hmm. I felt so humbled by what I was feeling, understanding that this was my first time feeling it, but this was my wife's second time feeling it. Yeah, And she had to go through that same painful procedure again. Mm-hmm. And so the conversations that we had after that um, you know, even just the process of trying to get pregnant again became very uh, anxiety producing because now we had gone through it two times and she still wanted us to try to expand our family. So thankfully the ter- the third time my son came, mm-hmm. but the excitement of the first time she announced that she was pregnant uh, could not be replicated because even the second yeah. time it was like tempered after that second loss, the third Mm -hmm. time that she announced that she was pregnant being my son, Mm -hmm. like we were not excited. We were scared. Mm -hmm. We were absolutely frightened. Um, thankfully that time, like I said, it turned out to be a viable pregnancy and my boy, our boy now is going to be two years old coming up pretty soon.
1: And and with that, out of curiosity with, You know, and I can only, I can relate to some of that, um, to to some of the kind of fear, anxiousness of knowing you're pregnant and kind of struggling to, in your case, it was different than our case. But, you know, we we were struggling to believe that we were even pregnant Mm. because it took us six years to even get, you know, have a positive test, Mm. you know, to show pregnancy. So for us, it was kind of a, we don't want to believe it. We don't want to get our hopes up. Yeah. But so in that sense I could I could relate to that feeling of this apprehension of like, nope, not gonna in fact I remember when we found out we were pregnant the first time after six years of, you know, infertility stuff, you know, we didn't talk. We looked at each other and just kind of quietly sat on the couch and I think we had to show on in the background just kind of like background noise. We're not gonna yeah, we're not even gonna we're not going to process this. We'll we'll talk in the morning and try you know test test again to see because yeah. we didn't. So it was interesting. Um, but for you guys with your son, you know I, I, how far along to the loss of the second and the first um, was it consistent time like week time? Was it different? I mean, at what point was it like with with your son? Did you come to a place where oh, this is the time that we had our losses around this week marker, month marker? And then after, was it, did that change it all for you? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So I think the first two losses were obviously within the first several weeks. I think the, okay. I think that the highest likelihood of a non-viable pregnancy is within the first, I read this the other day, I think it's within the first. Um, Trimester? Yeah. Uh, like. 12 weeks 7 to 12 mm-hmm. weeks or something like that is the highest likelihood for a nonviable pregnancy. Yeah. Um so both of the first two ones happened obviously within that that time frame. Okay. Uh w- with the pregnancy for my son, you know, once we went further than the first one, further than the second one, um we were still not giving ourselves permission to be hopeful Hmm. because anything could happen. And so when she sent me, I remember being at work and she sent me the results of a blood test where they were able to tell her the baby's gender And she screenshotted for me and she texted me and it said, it's a boy. Mm -hmm. For me, that's when all of that weight was lifted. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. this is actually happening. Like we have a gender now. Like this is so crazy. Mm -hmm. And I just sat back in my office. My office mate was there. And I almost wish he wasn't there because I would have just let out the biggest shout of excitement. Mm Right. Because I could finally I can finally move past, you know, this thing of Mm. we're holding our breath. I could finally breathe now. And the more I saw her belly grow and, you know, the more signs of a pregnant woman she started to exhibit, then it was just like, yeah, man, this is really happening. Like I've said before, this was right around the time. Um, that the pandemic was declared. And so my department from work just got sent to work from home. Mm -hmm. But here we are just like closer and closer to to due date. And we're in the second trimester and beginning of third trimester and I'm home and I have all the free time in the world to prepare for Mm -hmm. his room and do all that stuff. So I became a handyman. And those like four months in a way that I never knew I could handle a project like creating a space for my baby Hmm. to be brought into. So that was so exciting. Hmm. Um, so yeah, as the pregnancy progressed, it became more freeing for me, for Hmm. her to be able to talk and be excited and started getting the crib and all of that stuff. Hmm. Um, And then, you know, obviously he came and new parents, that whole phase and what have you, such a joy to be a parent Mm. to that kid. I mean, he, he is, he is wonderful. He is, yesterday he hit me with a a sentence that I didn't even know he knew how to say. He's trying to open the door and he Mm. doesn't yet know how to turn the knobs and so I'm yeah. like, hey, buddy, you can, we were in the bathroom brushing our teeth and he's trying to get out. And he's like, daddy, open the door. And I said, go ahead. You could, you could try. You could try. I know you can do it. And then he says, I can't. I said, nah, buddy, you can try. And he says, it's too heavy for me. And I looked up and I'm like, <laughs> what? Hmm. I didn't know you knew how to say that. Yeah. So just full of, of those moments.
1: Yeah, Uh, and how old is your son to at at this
0: point? At this point, he is like three or four. He's like today's what? Today's the today's the thirtieth of April. April. Mm -hmm. So he's a little under a month from being two years old. Um, Very extensive vocabulary. Very bright Hmm. child. I mean, he. I can't gush enough about my son.
1: Hmm.
0: But throughout. The time we've been talking about okay you know we we want to try for for another one um, my wife was a single child for most of her of her teenage life like early on into her teenage life until her, mm-hmm. her brother came along and so she feels very strongly about not having our son be an only child and uh, she had to convince me she convinced me to want to have another kid because she would tell you and I would deny it but I'll be honest now Mm -hmm. when we were dating I'm like I wanna have three kids like that's that was my starting point. I want to have three kids. Mm -hmm. And then I started working at a pediatric setting and I was like nah I think two kids will be all right. I think Mm -hmm. I'll be good with two. Mm -hmm. And then we had our son and I'm like, you know what? One is enough One, one is enough. Uh, You know, I, and I'm fully aware that I'm speaking to a father of three right now. <laughs>
1: I, I share in those moments. When, yes, that I could feel. I feel that I have had moments like that. I'm like, yeah, one was enough. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm with you.
0: So yeah. um, So just sensing how strongly she felt about you know,
1: Hmm.
0: wanting to have another child. And I wanted my baby girl. Like I Hmm. wanted to be a girl dad. Hmm. And um, we tried again. And like I said, that third one was very traumatic. Um, We didn't Uh have the luxury of, luxuring air quotes, of um, going to a facility so that she could have a really painful procedure done a third time. Uh Everything happened in the home so
1: yes actually i remember you telling me this we didn't talk we didn't about talk about it on. Well. okay yeah but we talked about it privately, privately i think you yeah and this one was this is the one i was thinking yeah
0: about. so so that that was really difficult um hmm. still is to to think about to see what my wife went through and there is a sense of It's almost inevitable for me to not feel a sense of, uh, to not have a stake in this horrible experience that she went through, you know, Um, and bro, I am fully aware that this is something that we both wanted. But in that moment when I felt so incapable of helping my wife and alleviate her pain, it was very hard for me not to feel like you did this. Hmm. You know, and and not necessarily blame myself, but just like I guess hold up a sense of responsibility like yeah, you did this. You have a hand in in doing this. Hmm. I felt so useless just in that moment. I felt so useless like the only thing that i could practically do for her she was in so much pain and so much agony she just like asked me to get a fan that was in the adjacent room because she was feeling hot and if there was an olympic game for grabbing a fan and plugging it in for a gold medal i would have won that gold medal because that Mm. just gave me something tangible to yeah. do you know what I mean like it gave me some yeah. sense of, of purpose, some sense of mm. functionality in a moment where I just felt as useless as whatever
1: mm. uh, well, I, and what was that like to feel so useless?
0: Ah oh, man it it was powerless. I, I just felt so mm. powerless. like mm. I couldn't do anything to help my wife. Mm. I couldn't say anything. And this is coming from someone whose work encourages him not to have anything to say. But in that moment of watching my wife in such agony, like I couldn't say anything. I couldn't mm-hmm. do anything. Even grabbing the fan did not change the reality of her circumstances. Um, I couldn't fast forward time. I couldn't pause time. Certainly didn't want to rewind time, even though I couldn't couldn't do that either. I couldn't do anything. I could only stand there and just watch her in horror of the scene that was in front of me. And just seeing her in so much agony. And at one point, I was just like, I don't know what else to do. So I laid on the floor hmm. next to...
1: So, bro. That's okay. Take your time, man.
0: <sighs> I just laid on the floor next to her, man, and we cried. Yeah. Because I couldn't help her, bro. I couldn't help my wife. And in a way, I was feeling a version of pain that I had never felt before. Hmm. I couldn't help her. I could not help her. And this, this dream of expanding our family just felt like it was slipping further and further and further away. So then after hmm. that, we had to have really honest conversation and I said to her, I don't think I can do this again. Mm. When she, when she mentioned that she still wanted to try for one more time, I said, I, that was the first time in my life that I had a panic attack Mm. because as she was talking to me, I lost control of my body presence and Mm. I just felt the anxiety bubbling inside of me to the point that she was like, I've never seen you this anxious before. What's going on? And I said to her, I can't believe you want to put me through this again. And so we spoke about it honestly. We spoke about it candidly. And I have to tell you, man, there is nothing better in life from the standpoint of someone that you've committed yourself to doing life with Than the ability to be so candid with that person Mm. and really difficult moments Mm -hmm. to be able to come out of a really tense moment that, you know, in other contexts have played out in so many different ways. Like marriages and relationships have broken up because of because of wanting or not wanting to have children. Mm hmm. Marriages and relationships have broken up because of the inability to have children. Mm -hmm. People who could have been good for each other to do life with did not get together because of their differences of opinions regarding procreation. So to be able to do life with someone and have this really difficult conversation after the history that we had and Talk about it candidly, openly, her expressing her opinion, me expressing mine, her validating what I was feeling, me validating what she was feeling and where she's coming from. And I mean, mm-hmm. yo, there is no greater like there's no greater sense of adulting, if I can put it that way, mm-hmm. than than that, with someone who in that moment mm-hmm. is like man, I care deeply about this woman and she yeah. obviously cares deeply about me too. Yeah,
1: it's like true true intimacy, right? It's
0: Absolutely, bro.
1: Being able to be vulnerable and open and accepted and, and hearing each other and actually hearing each other's opinions. I mean, that's...
0: And leaving space for each other to, in that yeah. moment, we're not going to agree mm. on how we should move forward. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that that's the end of the conversation. Mm-hmm. That only means that for right now, I can't compute fast enough what you're trying to get me to compute, and it's more mm-hmm. it's causing more uh, disturbance than it is getting us towards a common mutual agreement as to how to move forward. Mm-hmm. And so we sort of left it on the table for for a while until we we're able to pick it back up again and talk about it more openly, more candidly still. And when I heard the sense of, the sense of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, I just felt my wife's level of concern and desire to not, to not uh, set up our son in a way to experience life, in a way that to her and her experience was very detrimental and hurtful. Yeah. Like it
1: sounds like you sensed her longing and desire. Is yeah, that, absolutely. Those said, were felt, yes. it, it was a felt. sense.
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, she, like this, this is something that she, at, she was adamant about dude. Like I yeah. don't want him to be an only mm. child because I know what it feels like to be an only child. So I could hear the agony in her voice mm. As so you were
1: really trying to kind of connect to that and say, okay, okay
0: like okay, I see that. I see that. I I, okay. I, I deeply love this woman, and because mm-hmm. I deeply love this woman, I like what does it cost me to to try to have another child? Understanding our history, understanding mm-hmm. all of that, but I love this woman, and she obviously loves me. So mm-hmm. let's connect the dots there, and let's try one more time.
1: Mm.
0: But the way that we're going to try this time is with the understanding that if we end up in a very painfully familiar place,
1: Mm.
0: we're not going to ask of each other to go down this road again because Mm. it is way too painful. It is way too painful. So that's something that we agreed on and we Mm. signed on the dotted line. Mm. So we tried again. And just like the first or the following two times after our first loss, we just sort of, we weren't actively trying to, to do it. We just left it up to, if it happens, it happens. Mm-hmm. I remember when she said, I think I might be pregnant. And I said, okay, like there was no excitement. There was no anything. It was very matter of fact. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have to. Very wait. like emotionally distant. Very emotionally of- distant. Absolutely. Very logical brain, just like
1: nothing with the right, just pure logic. Pure logic.
0: Factual. Yep. You know, when are you going to contact your doctor? It it was very checklist-ish. Yeah. When are you going to contact the doctor? What is the next step? I'm usually not the guy who's asking all these questions. That's usually Mm -hmm. my wife. She's very task and Mm detail-oriented. If we're going somewhere, she needs an itinerary. I'm just the YOLO guy. Like, that's how my life has been. It doesn't matter what plans we have or we don't have. As long as we get there, we'll figure it out. If I don't want to, I don't want to. If I want to, I want to. That's my itinerary. But Mm -hmm. she's very boom, 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 boom. But in this case, I can now see that my trauma and anxiety were manifesting themselves in very yeah. logical defensive yeah boom 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 like i want to know very,
1: it was self-protection it was i mean that's what i'm hearing very much self-preservation survival mode like i'm not gonna some sense yeah. of control yeah if i if i could be factual that i'm separate maybe from it
0: yeah yeah i this was my way of of gaining a sense of control and hmm. something that i obviously know i have no control over yeah but i I can' find out when you intend to talk to your doctor. I can have control over asking you what is the next step once you've initially met with your doctor. I can't ask you what were the results of you know the blood test. I can't ask you so mm-hmm. if I can continue to do those things, create yeah. this very, like these very in the grand scheme of things, like eh, whatever but that checklist that mental checklist for me was was key mm-hmm. i need this in order to mm-hmm. go through this process again yeah and so that's how we went through it blood test the hormonal counts kept going up and up and up and up great positive signs we're not mm-hmm. getting excited first ultrasound your sac Has formed and it's growing, it's measuring. Very positive sign. We're not Mm -hmm. getting excited. Um, Next ultrasound, there is a, we see something there, but we haven't been able to detect a heartbeat yet because it's too small and it's too early on in the process. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's good to know. Very positive sign because the hormones keep going up. We're not getting excited. I'm not getting excited, I should say.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Next ultrasound, I'm at work and I get a text message with a video recording of our little blob with a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Holy crap, I'm excited. This is actually happening. I have my little heartbeat thing. And I remember she Mm -hmm. said to me, that when she saw the screen, she asked the uh, the nurse or the tech, why does it look like a fish? So as she's telling me this story. I'm like, oh, you have a little Nemo. So I started calling that little blob Nemo. Hmm. And that was my mistake. Hmm. That was my mistake. I gave it a name. I got too attached. Hmm. And I understand. And I'm fully aware of the fact that I said that was my mistake because I let myself believe for a second that this was going to actually end up in the way that i hoped it would end up Hmm. i broke out of character so to speak yeah so okay we have a heartbeat i let my guard down and so now i'm just thinking about this is going to be my baby girl and here we go again here we go again this is going to be my baby girl and this is going to be awesome. You know, my mind just went in every which direction. Yeah. She has another ultrasound. And this time, which is a week after Little Nemo was discovered with a heartbeat. And this time I'm able to be at the ultrasound with her. And this is to confirm that Little Nemo is growing mm-hmm. appropriately. hmm so we get to to the hospital the doctor comes in she's kind of rushing through things and she does an abdominal ultrasound and i'm standing right next to my wife and she's looking and she's looking and we are looking at the screen and i see the blob Mm -hmm. but i don't see no heartbeat And I know from the way that she is constantly looking and adding more gel and looking and, okay, so maybe let me press a little harder and all of that jazz in my head, I'm saying it shouldn't take that long to see a heartbeat. So then she calls for another ultrasound and she's doing it and she's looking and she does the abdominal ultrasound again. And Then she says, finally, folks, I have to be honest with you. Um, You are certainly pregnant. We can see that. Here's the sac. Here's the embryo. Or here's the fetus, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm very concerned because it shouldn't take that long for me Mm -hmm. to find a heartbeat. And I just broke down crying. Mm -hmm. I just broke down crying. Because here's the crazy thing. And again, I know I said earlier, I'm not into interpreting dreams or anything like that. That was on a Wednesday that we had the ultrasound. That Wednesday morning, at some point in the wee hours of the morning, I had another vivid dream. That I was in a delivery room. And another white woman who was my wife in this dream was giving birth. And there was a male nurse on her left and a female nurse towards her right. And they were trying to get her to lay down on the gurney. But she could not lay down because she was in such distress. Hmm. And I hear someone say, oh, my God, the baby's head is coming out. And I turn and I look and she just lets out this big old cry and she starts to push Mm -hmm. and the woman nurse who is at the foot of the of my wife in the dream is reaching her hands to grab the baby and I say to her don't touch the baby I'm the baby's father I'm right here I'm gonna Mm -hmm. grab my baby so I go Mm -hmm. over to my dream wife who's given birth and she pushes and this beautiful baby boy falls into my hands. Mm. And he has deep, dark brown eyes, huge, head full of hair. Mm. And the same overwhelming feeling that I felt at the first dream is the same one that I felt in this dream. And I woke mm. up again wanting to cry. Yeah. And that morning I knew this was not a viable mm. pregnancy. And I did not want to believe it. Mm. I wanted to believe that if the first one was an indication of a loss, this would be the reversal of that. Mm. And so standing there at, in the room and hearing the doctor say, in my 20 whatever years of experience, It's never taken me this long to find a heartbeat. Hmm. I just broke down. Hmm. And I was upset at myself for allowing myself to hope that this one would be the one. That we would finally get our baby girl or baby boy, whichever one came, as long as it was a healthy baby. And then a feeling of Anxiety washed over me, a deep sense of grief overcame me, and I'm still dealing with that. Hmm. And the lasting things have been a feeling of of guilt. I feel guilty that hmm. I wouldn't that I'm not able to give my son a sibling but i don't know why i feel guilty about that Hmm. i feel guilty that i was not able to give my wife the thing that she had wanted i feel um feel like I failed my wife and my Hmm. son I feel incomplete Hmm. I feel guilty for not appreciating that I do have a child Hmm. and that I didn't necessarily need another one but I wanted another one Almost as if I'm invalidating how complete I do feel with Juki. I feel powerless, bro. Hmm. Yeah. And I'm heartbroken. Yeah. Because we're right back at this thing again. And there's a sense of finality to it because we're not going to try again. Yeah. And this is not the way it should have ended. Yeah. And I don't know what to do with that. Hmm. I don't know how to move forward from here in a way that would make it a little more tolerable to deal with this overwhelming sense of loss.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know, bro. Yeah.
1: I care a lot about you, Kelly. I know you know that. I love you and your fam. Um, And I'm so sorry for your, for this, for just the suffering you and your wife are going through right now. And I'm, you know, as a friend of yours, I'm here with you in this space. And I know you know that, but I'm saying it again of knowing that there's not much I can say. I can't take, I can't take your pain either. As someone who cares for you. I would love to take this pain for you too. But I know I have no power to do that. And when I keep coming back to Kelly, that I think, and I know, with the loss of your third child, that all you knew how to do in feeling powerless and feeling helpless and feeling I can't fix this and I want to, and... And you instinctively laid down next to your wife in the midst of her suffering. And if I were to have her on here, and if I were to talk to her, I could be wrong, but I'm betting I'm not that you being in that space on the floor with her was more powerful than you know. She wasn't alone in her suffering, but knew she had her man, her husband, her friend, that she wasn't isolated in the midst of this tremendous loss but had her person with her in the suffering, in the loss. And that's what I could offer you as I get to carry it a bit with you in this conversation. And our, I know we're going to have more conversations offline about this, but I think that's part of the human condition too is that we get to help carry these pains and burdens together and not in isolation and that that's really what we can offer each other and that in those pains is that we can't always take it away and often we have no control over it but what we can do is say I'm here and you're not alone and you don't have to be alone but we get to support each other in this and it's going to be a journey and you're going to have feelings of guilt and anger and frustration and sadness and loss and it's going to take time and I'm here for you in that space, man
0: I appreciate you, brother
1: Yeah I would give you a hug right now <laughs> uh, But there's a bit of bit of earth between you and me right now <laughs> Bit of space but I love you, man
0: Love you too, bro
1: and Let me ask this final question And I know that this will change probably from moment to moment for you and from day to day for you. Right now, today, in this moment, with everything going on, what do you need as a man, as a father, as a husband? What does Kelly need right now?
0: I know I need therapy. Hmm. And in the past, that's something that I would probably put off. But lately, I've been finding more reasons to stay distracted and occupied in my headspace, uh, which is not my normal. Hmm. So to me, that's an indication of I need therapy. Hmm um yeah and that's that's where i would say right now that's that's the one thing that i know mm-hmm. i need and that's and that's something that i am actively working on setting up i'm not putting it off i'm not uh denying i'm i'm not trying to convince myself that i can get through this without some professional help. Yeah. So I know in the long run that's going to be more beneficial for helping me tie up these loose ends that are very difficult to deal with right now.
1: And that's good to listen to that part of you that's aware, you know, that gut sense of, yeah, I need a little more. You know Does it make you less of a man?
0: Nope Not at all
1: Nope Not at all Just gotta say that one Yep Not in, not in the slightest No Not in the slightest <laughs> Always Always gotta ask that one For the men listening He's like nope Asking for help is strength man Absolutely so I, I You're a strong Very strong man And I mean that Not just your physic, Not your physique Because you are But no You have a A strength Inside, a mental and emotional strength, knowing, recognizing. Yep, I need something more.
0: For the sake I'm glad of my saying son, that, man. for the sake of my wife, and right. uh, quite honestly, for my own sake. For you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, Kelly, I've, and I know this is where you're in the midst of just this journey, and it's going to be a journey. But you're not alone in that journey. You're going to get support. You know, you have your wife, you got me, you got other friends too. You're going to have a therapist to help kind of carry you through this at times when you need to be carried. You know, people you need to just talk to and just scream at and be raw with. People that you want to talk to just to kind of get your head straight sometimes in an array of things. But know that you're not alone. And you have people around you that care for and love you, man. And um, I appreciate just just in this conversation, just really just this rawness and just processing and and it's processing. I know it's all processing, but I appreciate your vulnerability in this and my hope is that this is used for someone else who might be going through this or have gone through this, um, who might be feeling all sorts of things, that they can get some sense of not aloneness, that they're not the only ones, that they get to feel someone else sees them and understands their experience. Cause that's really I think a lot of times when we're suffering, we want it's helpful to know that someone else gets us and we're just not by ourselves in this kind of bubble that no one else understands is pain. Yeah. And so I just thank you, man. And and Yeah. I appreciate you and who you are.
0: Appreciate you too, bro. Thank yeah. you for the space.
1: Absolutely anytime. Thanks for joining and listening today. Please leave a comment and review the show. Dads are tough, but not tough enough to do this fatherhood thing alone.